Welcome to another podcast by Dr. Dennis Smith, Senior Pastor of Covenant Life Ministries. To find out more, go to lifeandfocustv.com. I believe we're looking at one of the most important, if not the most important things that you and I as believers can learn to do. And that is to hear God, to hear him quickly, effectively, accurately, how important it is for us to learn to hear when God is speaking, to recognize his voice. And I, I think anyone, certainly those who, who, who are followers of Christ and those who believe that God speaks today say, Lord, I, I really, you know, I want you to speak to me. I want to hear from you. I need to hear from you. God's not silent. He's not withdrawn. He's not reluctant to speak to us. And Jesus said, and Jesus is the great shepherd. He's the good shepherd. And he said in John 10, 27, remember? He said, my sheep hear, listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. Now, so far in this series, when God speaks, we've We've looked at the fact that, yes, God does still speak today. We've examined some of the things that can hinder or prevent us from hearing the Lord clearly, like doubt and being distant in our relationship, distractions we allow in there, disobedience, discernment difficulties. And, and we've looked at some keys to putting ourselves in a position where we can hear him, to get in a place where we can tune in and hear him. You know, he who has ears to hear let him hear. And, and we're looking at seven different areas or categories, areas where uh, that we can see God speak into our lives. Now, you can number them five, six, eight, or ten, depending on how you break these into groups or into individual ways. But I have them in seven ways. And remember, the first was God speaks to us through creation, nature, and nature. He declares his handy, He declares who he is through his handiwork, through his creation. Over and over again, the psalmist says, you just look around and you can see that, that God, I mean, look how many beautiful sunsets or places where you've traveled and you, you see that, 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 Lord, this is just indescribable. I've seen beautiful paintings before, artwork, but this is, this is so beyond that. See the beauty and even see the power of nature. And God speaks through that. And we read uh, from Romans chapter 1 some very important words there as far as that God has given to every man that witness, that general witness, if you should say, of, of the fact that he speaks of who he is in creation nature. The second area that we saw where God speaks is, is fundamental, is foundational. And that is that God speaks through his word, the Bible. Now, this is, this is the rule for faith and practice. The Bible is the inspired word of God. When you believe that God's spoken to you through different, in different ways... You judge that or measure that by saying, well, does this line up with what he has already said in the scripture? You can't be out here saying, I heard the Lord tell me something and it be contradictory to what the scripture teaches and what he says. So that's extremely important to learn that God is speaking. He's given us this wonderful, wonderful. Uh, Deb, I left my Bible down there. Could you, do you mind? Thank you. I guess I could have been more of a gentleman come down there rather than let you get up and walk up here in it. But anyway, but I didn't. We, uh, 
we have this word, the Bible, and, and um, I wonder how many of us really appreciate that. Think about that. I wonder how many of us appreciate the fact that God has, has uh, supernaturally, if you will, given us written word, the scripture from Genesis to Revelation. I know that people sometimes challenge it or question it, but the fact is it stood the test of time. It stood the test of those that criticize it. It measures, it measures in every way and it's truth and integrity. And it, it's reliable. I mean, we've looked at this many times. It's reliable. Uh, there's two words, primary words when we look in the Greek. Remember? We looked at this. That the, the Bible, when you use the word logos, which means word, it's the entirety, if you will, of how God has spoken through the Scripture. Uh, in John chapter 1, it says that Jesus is the word. He's the living logos. Encompassed in Christ is all the entire word of God. And then the other word is the word rhema, R-H-E-M-A. And rhema, if you recall, is, for instance, let me give you just a, kind of a little illustration. That maybe you're praying, seeking the Lord, studying the scripture, maybe devotional time. And you're reading the scripture, and as you're reading it, there seems to be one verse or one word that really stands out to you or someone is teaching or preaching and something they say just connects with you and that's when God takes the written word and makes it come alive to you so that we could say it's like the Lord's personal word to you now the scripture is all his word to you I mean the truth I know there's things in the scripture that are not true <gasps> there are things in the scripture that's not true yes there are some things in there that are not true his words are always true but there's some things that his enemies and that Satan is recorded as saying in the scripture that are not true. But he records that. And he records even the, I mean, the, the Holy Spirit even brought even the failures of mankind, of, of even uh, men, women of God. But the word of God stands. And it is without error. It's infallible. It's inspired. It's God breathed. And we can trust the scriptures. Yes? And so that's why we need to get that word down inside of us. Because if we're going to hear God effectively, it's channeled through his word in our lives every day. He's given us promises. He's given us direction. All these things are there if we'll just go look. But what he'll do is when we're reading that scripture, he's so faithful and so good. If you'll ask the Holy Spirit to do this, and we'll talk a little bit, on, I think, next time on, on hearing God speak to the Holy Spirit. Or hearing the Holy Spirit. But what he'll do is, is something will just catch you. Something will literally just speak to you in a powerful way. And it's just like God says, now listen, this is for you. Pay attention. And that's what we call the rhema word. And so we had an exciting time looking at that. I think a couple of weeks ago before we had our guest speaker last weekend. And, uh, and uh, as we were in this series. So I want to pick up and look at. Uh, we looked at the, the creation nature in the Bible, and today we're going to focus on how God speaks through Jesus, His Son. Then we'll talk about how God speaks through the Holy Spirit. Then we'll look at how God speaks through others, uh, through people giving advice and counsel, um, through personal prophecy. When someone uh, hears of the Lord speaking to them and says, I believe that the Lord has, has, has told me and struck me that I need to share this with you. Now we'll talk about... The, the, how that can be a powerful good tool, but how it can also be misused. Uh, and we'll be looking at the word of knowledge, the word of wisdom, and how the, the New Testament talks about that at work in the church. And then 
uh, and at six, we'll look at how God speaks through dreams and visions and angels. That could be three separate categories, but I put it in one. And then the seventh, we're going to look at how God speaks through circumstances. Now, oftentimes people are misled by misinterpreting circumstances in their life. But if we let these other things guide us, we can see that God even speaks through circumstances. And we'll look at that. Um, now, today our focus is on the fact that uh, God has chosen to speak through Jesus, his son. And uh, the title of the message is Jesus and the Red Letters. And if, if most, of you, most Bibles, I think still today, have, if you look over into the Gospels, you're going to see that, that part of the print is in red. And how many of you know what that means? I'm sure you do. What does it mean when the word's in red or what? They're, they're supposed to be the words, if you're the recording of the words that Jesus actually spoke. So we're looking at how God speaks through Jesus, how he speaks through the red letters, if you will, through his, through his word. Look with me at Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1 and 2. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1 and 2. And uh, this is from the New King James Version. And look at this. It says, God, who at various times, in various ways, see, God, who at various times, different times, different ways, he spoke in times past. He spoke in the past in different times and ways. He spoke through the, to, to the fathers, how? By the prophets. God would speak the word into a prophet, and the prophet, prophet would share, thus saith the Lord, if you will. Uh, spoke by the prophets in the past has in these days, in the last days, spoken to us or has finally spoken to us by his son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the worlds. You know, the book of Hebrews, the, the theme of the book of Hebrews is, is actually better, or better than. And we walked through Hebrews here two or three years ago together and how throughout the book of Hebrews, their things are being compared to, to uh, the fact, for instance, uh, the, the new covenant is better than the old covenant. The sacrifice of Jesus on the cross is better than the sacrifice of the lamb. And we, that's what Jesus is higher than, than the angels. And, uh, and as we look at the fact that bottom line is, it says Jesus is better. Jesus is better. And so he's saying, look, in the past, God spoke in different ways and he spoke through prophets. But now, now I'm telling you, he speaks through his son, by his son. In other words, this is the best way. Everything that God has said, all of his truth is encompassed or compressed into his son, who is God, the father, God, the son, God, the Holy Spirit, deity. It says who created all things. The Bible says he holds everything together. Nothing was created but was what was created through him. The Bible says that the, the creation took place through the word, and Jesus is the word. So if, look, what a powerful way that God has spoken. He says, I'm going to speak through my son this time. My son. And it's interesting, uh, in the scripture, your, your version, it probably says that God has spoken by his son. But if you look closely, the word his is in italics. And when you see a word in italics in the scripture, that means it wasn't really there. They just added it. To try to make it clear, clear, uh, clearer to understand, easier to understand. But if you take that out, look what it says. That God has spoken to us in son. Not in prophets, not in other ways, but he's spoken to us in son. In son, the sonship, his only begotten son. 
who Jesus was, what Jesus said, what Jesus accomplished. So very important. So very important. Now, just point out a couple of things, and we're going to walk through this kind of quickly, but this is very simple, but I think it's very powerful. Uh, first of all, Jesus speaks through his life example, through the example of his life. We can look at the example of Christ. You know, we're supposed to be Christ-like, right? And God speaks to us, and here's your pattern. Here's your pattern. And what was Jesus like? You know, what did Jesus look like physically? Many of us grew up seeing pictures hung in churches in various places. And I remember in some of the churches, little churches I pastored, a lot of times they'd have a big picture of, of uh, Jesus. But sometimes he was fair-complected, lighter kind of brown hair, and sometimes even blue eyes, long, flowing. And it was just what man had depicted. You know, sometimes we try to make God like us instead of us like God. Uh, but I know he wasn't fair. Look, speaking as one fair-complected or skinned person, uh, to, uh, he was not fair-complected. He was a Jew. I've never, he's Jewish. I've never seen a fair-complected. There, there perhaps is, but I've never. You can tell I'm fair-complected. Get out under the sun for a little while and boom, you know, you, you turn red like this morning. You don't have to have a lot of sun. I sat out in the afternoon watching grandson play football and there was a cloud. But I didn't have suntan lotion on. So here I am. I could, like some politicians, say I'm an Indian. I'm Native American. <laughs> I had to use that. There was just one little opening that he's a Native American. I don't want anybody to be offended by that. I, I, I love red and yellow, black and white. Jesus loves all the children of the world. We are too. But I'm definitely not Indian. Now, some of my kids from... Their mom have a little descent there, but you can tell that in their coloring. You can't tell it in mine. I would be the only Irish Indian around, I, I think. But uh, anyway, um, but he wasn't. He wasn't fair complected. Uh, he was Jewish, which is olive-colored skin. I mean, the Bible gives us information. It says, you know, really, he didn't stand out in the crowd as far as appearance. There was nothing real coming. He wasn't like a real charismatic-looking person. You know, big. Good looking, strong walking down through here and he just got it by his attention. He wasn't like that. He just kind of fit into the crowd. It wasn't that impressive to look at physically perhaps. We don't know a lot about him physically. We knew he grew up as a carpenter's son and he was a carpenter. He wasn't feminine, effeminate, sissy. I don't know what words they use now. It's hard. With political correct world, it's hard to know what words to use. Anybody get upset? I'm not worried about you being upset, but those of you that are online that see it in other parts of the world, tough. That's just what it is, okay? <laughs> you got to where you can't hardly talk anymore. Well, anyway, it's, he, he was strong. You couldn't have been a carpenter's day without being, in his day without being strong. Not only that, you look at what he went through from the time he was arrested and beaten and went through what he went through, carried the cross up Golgotha, spent those hours on the cross. He was an extraordinarily physically strong man. But he was tender. He was caring. What was Jesus like? Well, the kids loved him. Children love to be around him. Oh, we look at these things and say, well, now, if he was like that, then 
you know, maybe there's some of these characteristics. God, you're speaking into, into this. Maybe there's some of these characteristics I need in my own life. He had great compassion and mercy for others, especially the downtrodden, those that messed their lives up. He didn't have a whole lot of patience with religion and false teachers. He was a servant. He was unselfish. He was submissive to Father. And by the way, let me inject here. I didn't say he was submissive to the Father, although that would be correct. That's okay. But if you notice, sometimes in using our terminology, we, we I don't know, we're just not exactly right on. You know, I didn't, I didn't talk, I didn't, in talking about my dad, if I never did call my dad father, you know, call me dad or daddy or down south we say daddy. But anyway, this is my daddy. I, I didn't say this is the daddy. I didn't say this is the father. I said this is father. This is my father. This is my dad. We do the same thing with the Holy Spirit. We say the Holy Spirit. No, no. He's Holy Spirit. We don't say the Jesus. We say Father, Son, Holy Spirit. So when we look to the Father, we can say my Father, our Father. We can say, we don't have to say, Lord, work in me by the Holy Spirit. No, we just simply say, come, Holy Spirit, work in my life. I wouldn't call your first name and preface it with thee. This is talking about a person. And God speaks through, the, his, through this life example. He speaks through his person, person. He was honest. He spoke the truth. Never lied. He was patient. He was a man of prayer and authority. And this, this authority came not from being God or deity. It came from the fact that he lived in perfect obedience to the Father. And he was filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. And he walked in perfect faith. He said, if you, if, you, if you as a believer can walk in that kind of faith, obeying the Father, lining your life up with his word, then the same things that work through Jesus can work through you and through me. Well, that can't be true. Well, the Bible says that these things, the things that Jesus did, and even greater things we can do or we will do because he goes to the Father. And of course, the Holy Spirit's given. So, anyway, he was a man of prayer and authority, and we can be too, men and women of prayer and authority. And he made disciples. He was willing to spend time with just a few. He loved the multitudes, but he devoted his time and energy to a few. And that is absolutely key. You can't have a great effect on a large number of people, not, not really. You can have some acquaintance you can speak into their lives. But each one of us, need, we need a small group. We need a few that we can relate to, spend time with, and those in your life that you can sow into. What a powerful word that God speaks through the life example of Jesus. Matthew chapter 9, verse 35, the Bible says that Jesus went about all the cities and the villages doing what? What was his life example? Teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom. What did he do? And healing every... I guess I should repeat that. And healing every sickness and every disease among the people. He spoke through his life example. Secondly, he spoke through his words, through actual words that he said. You remember on the Mount of Transfiguration, Matthew, read about the Mount of Transfiguration and Jesus and the, the three, the inner circle of the disciples there with him. They take them up and then they get this, this 
appearance, if you will, of Moses and Elijah there, and it's just a supernatural thing. Glorious experience. Disciples just want to hang out there for a while. This is great. Man, this is great. Let's just stay up here. And Peter is saying that, but he kind of gets interrupted. I'll tell you, when you get interrupted by the Lord, you're really getting interrupted. But he said, it says, while he, Peter, was still speaking, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them. And suddenly a voice, speaking, a voice came out of the cloud saying, this is my son, Jesus, in whom I am well pleased, get this, hear him. Pay attention to what he says. Mark chapter 1 verse 22, it says the people were amazed or astonished by his teaching. He said, we've heard teachings of scribes, religious leaders, people all around us, but this man is different. His words are powerful. He speaks with authority. They were so amazed at his words. God spoke through the amazing words Astonishing words that Jesus gave. John chapter 12, verse 49, the Bible, uh, here's, here's interesting. Jesus said, I don't speak on my own authority. The Father who sent me has commanded me what to say and how to say it. John chapter 6, the last part of verse 63 says, And the very words, Jesus says, The very words I have spoken to you, they are spirit and they are life. His words, His words, yes. His words, written in red, if you've got a red letter edition, he says, they're spirit, and in them is life. And if you read them, you can see that's absolutely, absolutely true. He's spoken through his life example. He's spoken through his words. And, and, and thirdly, he's spoken through his, his ministry, through actions. John chapter 5, verse 18, New Living Translation of the Bible, says that Jesus explained. He said, I tell you the truth. Now, this is interesting. The Son can do nothing by himself. He's talking about the Son of God here. Jesus says, the Son can do nothing by himself. He does only what he sees the Father doing. That's that relationship with the Father. He walked in perfect obedience to the Father. He says, whatever the Father does, the Son also does. For the Father loves the Son and shows him everything he is doing. What a, what a word to hear is it? Father just speaking in my life. I want to I want to respond with what you put for me, with the words I want to respond by doing what I see you doing. And, and that's basically, when you look for the Lord's guidance and working your life, that's what you want to do is, is hear God speaking what he's called you to be with his purpose, with his direction. And, you know, God doesn't live in a time zone. He has been from beginning to the end. There's no beginning and end. He is, he was, is, and will always be. So you don't limit God by time. We're limited by time. But what I'm saying in this, and I think it's important for us to look at this, is that, is that one of the ways that we hear and follow God is we see what God has already planned to do in our lives. We see this is what the Father says. And then we line up with that by faith and saying, Lord, this has already been done. Your promises have already been given. This is what you've called me to do. You've already made the way. In fact, you're the way maker. So you've already made the way, so I'm going to learn to walk that out. I'm going to learn to walk it out. In Acts chapter 10, verse 38, listen to this. 
talking about the ministry of Jesus. It's a summary of it. It says, God anointed Jesus, God the Father anointed Jesus of Nazareth, Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power who went about doing good. Here's what he did in his actions, his ministry. He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. He did miracles through the power of the Word and the Holy Spirit and faith. He sacrificed himself. He walked all the way to the cross and gave himself on the cross and, of course, was raised from the dead. John chapter 21, verse 25, Jesus also did many. This is an amazing verse toward the end of the Gospel of John. We're talking about what Jesus did. God speaks through what Jesus did. Jesus also did many other things. Now, you can read the scripture in the Gospels and see there's a whole lot of things that Jesus did. But look what it says here. It says Jesus did all, we, all, we say down south, we say he, he did a, a heap. He did a whole lot more other, uh, other things, a whole lot more. Uh, if, he said, if you tried to write down everything that Jesus did, he said the whole world, I suppose the whole world could not contain the books that would be written. Amazing. Amazing. So bring it to a conclusion and looking how God speaks to us through Jesus by just pointing out three things to you quickly. God speaks through his son, Jesus, and shows us what the Father's like. He shows us what God is really like. Now, man, mankind and religions have had such a distorted view of what God is like. I mean, look at some of the other religions and how they portray God. Look at how some professing believers and churchgoers portray God. Mean, vindictive, to boss you around, distant, not involved in your life, or he's limited, he's just kind of like me. These distorted views of God can mess with people. And I, and I found in talking to people over the years that someone who's not had a, at least a, a pretty good example of a godly father or a father that loved a dad who loved God and, had, and they maybe been abused or neglected and they grew up that way, one of the big hurdles in their life is get to a place where they can understand that the father loves them, that father God loves them. No matter what's happened, no matter what's going on in their life at that time, they just cannot envision the fact, God really loves me. But if they ever have a breakthrough in that area, men, men or women, if they have a breakthrough in that area and says, it doesn't matter what kind of mom or dad I had, I mean, certainly it matters and it's affected my life in all the ways, but I, I don't have to live back there in that past. I don't have to be limited by it. I don't have to suffer and be tormented by it. Through Christ, I'm a new creation. Old things are passed away. All things have become new. So therefore now, since I'm a believer, I've placed my faith in Christ who died for me, gave his life for me, and I'm a new creation. Since I'm a new creation, that means now I have a different daddy. I have a father in heaven. And Jesus said, you need to know what the father's like. You think that God is mean, vindictive. You think he's just some type of religious figure. You think he's like someone that you experienced in your life? No. He came to the religious crowd and he came to those that were, were hurting and, and lost. And he said, I want to show you what the Father's really like. He came to reveal the Father. Even the Jewish people, the leaders that day, had a distorted view of God. 
In John chapter 1, verse 18, here's what Jesus says. No one has seen God at any time. The only begotten Son, begotten means a unique, particular kind, one that's God's own. The begotten Son who is in the bosom of the Father has declared Him. The word declared there, uh, we get our word, um, from the Greek word, we get our word exegeted. Uh, When when a person maybe teaches or something in... uh, uh, theological world, they will do an exegesis, uh, and 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 doing this exegesis. When you exegete, what are you doing? He says, he says here that that he has declared him. Who has declared? Jesus has declared or exegeted the Father. The word exegete means to explain or to interpret or to unfold. It says that Jesus has come to explain, interpret, and unfold who the Father is. John 14, 9, Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. This is what Daddy's like. Matthew chapter 7, verse 11, he says, if you then being evil, if you know how to give good gifts to your children, let me tell you about Daddy. How much more will your Father, who's in heaven, give good things to those who ask him? You may think Father's like this, but let me tell you what Father's really like. Matthew chapter 6, verse 8, your Father knows the things you have need of even before you ask him. Look at the birds, verse 26, look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Then are you not more valuable than they? Aren't you more valuable to him than they are? Listen, let me tell you what a father's really like. You can trust him. He loves you. He's concerned about you. He'll meet your needs. What a revelation for those who had a distorted view of God. And maybe there's even some people here this morning that your view of God, your perspective of God is just not like that. Let me, let me invite you to come into a place of freedom where you can be introduced to Daddy God, where you can be introduced to the fact that He's Father. Yes, He's awesome God. He's all-powerful. And yes, there's a, there's a truth in the fact that there's a judgment of God. But Jesus came and said, I want you to know that you can have a relationship and be a son and daughter. I want you to know what the Father is really like. And every one of us can have that relationship and have him as our father. He said, when you pray, pray this way. Our father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Our father. Pray this way. Understand, when you communicate with God, you're not saying, almighty God. You know, I remember growing up in church, we had, we had people in these little country churches. You had certain people that they were your they were people you knew would lead in prayer during service. And the preacher would be there and he'd say, well, brother so-and-so, stand and lead us in prayer. And so uh, they would stand up. And I remember as a kid here, and when they'd stand up, they'd had this low introduction, almighty, graceful, you know, full of grace and glory, powerful God, you know, all this introduction. And, and that's okay. That's what God is. But it just didn't seem to be real personal. It seemed to be just kind of like rote, memory, just going through. I, I can't question their heart, but it just seemed that way. We don't approach God. Uh, we approach Him as His children. I mean, if you have a loving father in your life and a dad, would you approach Him that so formally? Distant? No. It'd be father. It'd be personal. It would be intimate, if you will. It happens. I remember as I got a little bit older, and I was even, uh, even in high school, even as a, a, a senior in high school, I was invited to do youth revivals in different places out in churches around the area. And, and I, I'd 
of course, been had a real experience with the Lord saved. I've been filled with the Holy Spirit. And I, was, I came from a Methodist background, and it was kind of different, a kid like me, and preaching, saying the things I said. And I'm sure I thought everything I said was right at the time. And probably was. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm sure I messed up, and I feel sorry for those people who so had to put up with me during those years. But thank God he blesses us during those years. Now, I remember the first time I went to a church, and I thought, you know, their style of praying was different. It was good. In fact, there's parts of it I really like. And when I'm praying with people, this is, you know, I, I pray alone with people most of the time. I do. It, when I'm praying with someone, it's, it's, my, it's not my nature just to stand by them or pray with them and just say nothing. It's just, I, I'm in camp, but it's not my nature. I'm agreeing with them. I'm saying, yes, amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. I agree. You pray along with them. It's good. But I was in this little church, and I was supposed to preach there. And I was getting ready to get up, and, and priest introduced me. And the, the, the preacher, the, the, the pastor of the church stood up and said, Oh, brother so-and-so to stand up and lead us in prayer before we go. And I was still seated out in the congregation. Actually, that's not true. What really happened in that situation? He said, I want, I want brother so-and-so, me. He asked me to lead us in prayer before I came lead, lead him in prayer before I came up. So I got, I got, Dear God, out of my mouth, and that's the last time I heard myself. As soon as I said those two words, everybody around me started praying. And I'm talking about pray loud. And so I actually kind of moved through and prayed during that time, but I could have stopped and they would have never known the difference. I could have just waited for a while and said, Amen. But that was different. It was like, it, it was like in, in that setting that, that something was triggered when you said, Let's pray, let's let's. Let's speak to the Father. Now, I want to talk today, too. I want to talk to Father. I want to talk to Father. I want to talk to Father. Now, you don't have to pray out loud all the time. You don't, certainly don't have to, to pray that way in this coming. But sometimes it's good. Sometimes it's good to connect with each other that way. And um, he said, pray to your Father. When you pray, pray our Father. The second way that we have the word spoken to us through Jesus is he revealed redemption to us. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Whoever believes on him not perish but have everlasting life. He says, Jesus came to reveal that we need a savior. He's the lamb of God that's come to take away the sins of the world. He's come to seek and save that which is lost. Luke 19, 10. Romans 5, 8 says, God commended or demonstrated his love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Jesus came with a word of saying, you need a savior. You're separated from God. Sin kills. Sin separates. But I've come to offer myself. I've come to give myself as a sacrifice for you. Well, we all, that's the gospel message. Thank God many of us have heard that and responded to it. And, and, and it's, a, it's a message to everyone who will hear and do that. Amen? Amen? And then the last thing is, when Jesus came to speak into our lives, he came proclaiming the kingdom of God. People oftentimes say, well, Jesus came preaching the gospel. And certainly you can see the truth in that. But if you study closely what Jesus said in the scripture and you walk through and see what Jesus preached to people, he preached the kingdom. He came to declare the kingdom of God. That, that's what the Bible says. We all need to know more about what the kingdom of God's like. We think the kingdom of God, well, it'll be there someday when I die or when the Lord takes me home to heaven or when you know, we're gathered together with him. We'll be up in the kingdom of heaven. Yeah, it's the kingdom of heaven, but the kingdom of God is not just waiting for the future. The kingdom of God's now. It's, it's now. 
it's where we can be in our relationship with him. Jesus' parables, remember how most of them started? He said, Jesus spoke to them and said, the kingdom of God is like, the kingdom of God is like this, the kingdom of God is like that, the kingdom of God can be seen this way. And as you look at those parables, he was teaching us truths to say, this is what life is supposed to be like as a believer, as a follower. And it's different than the world system. It's very different. You don't hoard to try to gather everything for yourself in order to become wealthy. If you want to be blessed, you give it away. Now, that didn't make sense, but that's kingdom truth. If you want to become great, humble yourself and be servant to all. That doesn't make any sense, but that's kingdom truth. And I could go over just dozens of things where people say, well, this is, this is the way we're supposed to do it. But Jesus came and said, if you want to live like the way it was planned for you to live, you need to learn how to live according to kingdom truths. And that's very different. One of the biggest things that we face in the church today is we have so many church people who are not living according to kingdom truth. They're not living biblically, if you will. And I'm not talking about strict, straight-laced religion. I'm talking about that their lives are not lining up with what the Word teaches. They started compromising. They started compromising with their life and with decisions they're making and things they're doing. And they're over here in this part. And so that when so many people look out and see, well, that person is a, is a member of such and such church and they're a professing believer, but look at them. They're no different from all these other folks over here who don't know the Lord, don't claim to know the Lord. They're no different. And there's always going to be people that are able to judge you like that and say, well, you don't look like a Christian. I don't, you're not acting. There's always, that's just out there. None of us are perfect. All right, we know that. But the truth is we are to be different. We're to be different from the kingdom of this world. We cannot have the same value system as the world system is and be effective believers. There's there's such a bad witness out there uh, for Christ because believers are living tied to the world system. Living like everyone else. And God's called us to be different, not holier than thou, not, you know, but he's called us to be different. It's a good difference. It's a good difference. But people are afraid of it and peer pressure and the pressure that kids put on their parents to be like everybody else. All those things you face in life that says, no, you need, you need, and there's nothing wrong with this. It's all right. Well, how do you know where it's right or not? Well, first of all, you probably have some type, you're a Christian, You'll, something will be going off inside of you. It says, wait, wait, flag, flag, red light, going off inside. Now, sometimes we just kind of drown that out and justify ourselves. Or you could go to the Word, the Bible, and look at it and say, now, what would the Word, you know, I know it's kind of a simplistic to some people now, but what would Jesus do can work, you understand, in that situation. So, anyway, I think that's extremely important for us to live kingdom now principles. Luke 8, 1 says, Jesus traveled from one town and village to another proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. He said, the kingdom of God is in your midst. It's within you. He said, when you pray, pray, God, Father, your kingdom come now. The word yours is not in it. It says, kingdom come now. Will be done Now as it is in heaven. In other words, there's supposed to be heaven on earth 
as far as kingdom principles are concerned. It's a strong word. The Bible says in Colossians chapter 1 that we have been rescued or delivered or transferred. This is past tense, talking to believers. We have been, past tense. Are you a believer here this morning? You're a follower of Christ. If you are, the word says you, you have been. This has happened to you. You have been delivered, set free, rescued, transferred from the kingdom of darkness. The world says from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his dear son. That's kingdom of God living like him according to the principles of the word. It can be a challenge. Read the Beatitudes. It's a challenge. It can be a challenge. But I think it's one we should say, Lord, that's what I want to do. I want to learn about kingdom living and make my decisions based on those principles. My family live according to those principles. Run my business or work for someone else according to those principles. Handle my money and finances according to those principles. And we could go on and on and on. Jesus came to show us what the kingdom of God living can be, can be like for you and me. Most of us are missing out there in a lot of ways, I think. I know I have. I have. And God has so much more for us. Let me close with this. Uh, it's a little... If you read any of Max Lucado's books, it's a, he's a great author, pastor and author. But it's filled with examples, illustrations, stories. And this is, this is an interesting one, I think, that really speaks to us about the importance of hearing. He says, once there was a man who dared God to speak. He said, burn the bush like you did for Moses and I'll follow. Collapse the walls like you did for Joshua and I'll follow. Steal the waves like you did at Galilee and I will follow. So the man sat down by a bush next to a wall close to the sea and waited for God to speak. God heard the man and answered him. He sent fire, not for a bush, but for the church. He brought down a wall, but not of stones, but he brought down the wall of sin. He stilled the storm and not of the sea, but of the souls. And God waited for the man to respond. And he waited and waited and waited. But because the man was looking for bushes, not hearts, stones, not lives, seas, not souls, he decided that God had done nothing. Finally, he asked God, have you lost your power? And God looked at him and said, have you lost your hearing? How important it is. God wants us to hear him. It should be a highlight and a delight in our lives. Amen. God teach us how to hear you.
I'm just going to close in prayer. I just want to close out in prayer. Would you stand with me? Father, it's been a great time to be together this morning. Thank you. Thank you for an opportunity to freely gather in your name. Thank you for family and friends. Lord, that we can, we can enjoy company with each other and friendships. Lord, thank you for a wonderful time to celebrate you today. And for all those that are ministering through this building in different capacities, thank you for them. Thank you for every man, woman, young person, and child. It is a high honor and privilege to come together in your name, your family, your church. And we're so, so grateful. Lord, we don't want to be hypocritical. We don't want to be religious. We just want to learn how to hear and follow you and serve you well. I believe, Holy Spirit, that you've spoken to people this morning right where they are and that you've spoken to their lives, Lord, and even challenged some of them as some alignment they need to make in their life or changes that need to be made. Give them courage and commitment to do that, I pray. For any person that's here who needs to make that, that decision, that all-important decision to say, God, I've sinned. I know I've sinned against you, but I want a right relationship with you. I've sinned and I need forgiveness for my sins. I believe Jesus paid that price for me, died on the cross for me and rose from the dead. I believe that. And I surrender my life to him today. Help me to serve you this brand new life that you've given me and even to share with someone today that I've made this decision. Lord, for those today that we've heard something that challenges us, that we need to be more sensitive in our hearing, not have some preconceived ideas as to how God's going to speak to us, but to be very, oftentimes be very still and be very quiet and listen because you desire to speak to us. And sometimes just one word from you, oh God, what a difference it can make. I thank you, Lord, that we, we declare and claim over our lives and I claim over this church, Lord, that we have ears to hear what you have to say to us. And I give you thanks and praise for that. In Jesus' name and everybody in the house, we declare, amen. amen. Come on, give a good shout to the Lord. God bless you. Have a great day today. Be blessed in Jesus' name. Amen.